Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson. And it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Jones has just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately. He's got the handoff. You know that's the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it's time for the Jets Bucks post game report. The Jets go down at MetLife Stadium in the closing seconds to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 28 24, the final score. We're going to get into all the details with our friend Andy Vasquez, who covers the Jets for NorthJersey.com. But, Andy, before we get into anything else, regardless of the result, if you were a football fan and happened to be watching this one, on paper, you would have thought, I can totally skip it. But if you like the game of football, this was a phenomenal game, entertaining, a hell of a battle all the way through, and the ending was fantastic. Now, if you're a Jets fan, obviously, you might not like the ending, but I'm saying, in terms of just from a pure football standpoint, you couldn't have asked for much more out of this game. Yeah, this was a memorable day. Uh, if you were at MetLife Stadium, you are going to remember this one because it had everything, including Tom Brady doing what Tom Brady does, Gronk doing what Gronk does. And this wasn't like one of those ugly, horrible games where it was a battle of a tree. I mean, it was a really good football game. I thought it was played at a, at a very high level. Uh, coming right down to the final minute of the game with everything on the line. So it was a fun, weird, I'm sure we'll get into all of that. It was a bizarre day at MetLife Stadium, but it was a fun day, a memorable day. And if you were there, you were not going to forget this. 
I'll start off by saying what I mentioned last week with you, Andy, and then I mentioned in the pregame report with the very big deal, Chris Nimbley of JetsInsider.com. I decided to go to this game because I wanted to see Tom Brady at MetLife Stadium one last time. And I shouldn't even just say MetLife Stadium. I wanted to see Tom Brady against the Jets in New Jersey one last time because obviously he had plenty of moments at the old stadium, Giants Stadium. And so I went to this one and truthfully couldn't have asked for much more. Now, as I said before, we could quibble with the ending, but ultimately Zach Wilson played a great game and we're going to get into that in a bit. We had excellent weather for the beginning of January, 55 degrees of kickoff. So nobody was freezing cold in their seat. You had the Antonio Brown insanity, which we will also get into later. You had a back-and-forth heavyweight battle. The Jets were in this from the opening bell and actually controlled a lot of the game, which nobody in their right mind would have ever expected considering that they were almost two-touchdown underdog in this game. And then at the very end, you got that one last classic Tom Brady moment. Andy, as I said to you before we started recording, it feels like there was no other way for this game to end because this is what Tom Brady has done so many times to the Jets that his last game against them, most likely for his entire career, although who knows, it is Tom Brady, so he could end up playing till he's 80 years old. Nothing would shock me with him. But in all likelihood, his last game at MetLife Stadium and his last game against the New York Jets, for it to end this way, With him doing this heroic routine at the end, one last time, the game-winning touchdown pass, getting the ball with just over two minutes left, no timeouts, and having to drive the length of the field, and with 15 seconds to go, nailing the game-winning touchdown throw to a guy that most people hadn't heard of before today. Just incredible stuff, and as I said, is exactly what you would expect from Tom Brady. It's what you've become accustomed to if you're a Jets fan who has watched him so many times. So just a classic afternoon all around. We'll get into the end result in a little bit, but Andy, like you said, this was a heck of a football game, and if you went there, you had to have enjoyed yourself on some level, even if you were disappointed that the Jets lost. Yeah, I mean, it was a shocking game in terms of the Jets just jumping right out to the lead and then really controlling this thing on their first drive. They scored a touchdown. The bucks answered and then the jets scored another touchdown. And then they led the entire way from that point on until 15 seconds left when the bucks took their first lead of the game. Uh, And at one point in the third quarter, they were up 24 to 10 and it really looked like they were going to get this done. Uh, And then they had a couple of drives on offense that didn't go anywhere. The Bucks came back. They had a big defensive stop to hold them to a field goal. They lead 24-10. I'm sorry, 24-20. to uh, Zach Wilson drives the Jets down the field. And they've got a real chance here to, to seal the game on fourth and two from the Bucks seven. And they couldn't get the conversion. We, um, we're going to get into that. And then Tom Brady from there, one timeout, 2-11 left, works his magic. And it was it was a phenomenal drive, and it ended up being a 33-yard touchdown to win the game. Uh, it was a really, really good football game. And we saw a lot of really good things from the Jets, not just from Zach Wilson, but from some of their other young players, too. Yes, and one of those young players was Michael Carter, who had a phenomenal run on the opening drive. Unfortunately, he ended up getting hurt and didn't return. We'll come back to that later when we go through the injuries. But I think the number one takeaway here, if you're a Jets fan, above anything else, was the play of Zach Wilson. And it's funny 
this is the danger of looking at box scores and judging everything based on that. Because if you do that with Zach Wilson today, he was 19 of 33 for 234 yards and a touchdown. If you didn't watch the game, it doesn't sound all that impressive. That's a 58% completion percentage. He threw for under 250 yards. No big deal. But if you actually watch the game, he was fantastic. There were a couple of drops, but his throws were on the money. He was making crisp decisions. He was going through his reads. He looked confident. And this is where, Andy, you and I being at the game, you get a different vantage point than somebody who's watching on TV because you get what I like to call the All-22 view. And anybody that watches All-22 film knows that there's a huge difference between watching the All-22 film and watching the television broadcast because you can see so many things that you can't see on TV. You and I got the opportunity to see that. And from the stands, you could really see how much Zach Wilson has grown into this role. What I also love was just little things that he seems to have really improved upon. One play that sticks out in my mind, when they got that last touchdown and he had two really nice throws down the stretch of that drive, one to Braxton Berrios and one to Keelan Cole. There was one play where he looked like he was about to get made into mincemeat by one of Tampa's gigantic defensive linemen. But as that was unfolding, instead of Wilson panicking and either running way back and getting sacked for a huge loss or getting sacked and fumbling or just chucking the ball up for a potential interception, he calmly flicked the ball over to an open Ty Johnson who was his security blanket and then Johnson had plenty of room to run and ran for a long first down. So just stuff like that I thought was very encouraging. He also has become much more confident using his legs to get out of trouble but not in a way where he's going to get himself into so much trouble that he's going to lose 20 or 30 yards in a way that we saw from Trevor Lawrence last week when he got sacked after running backwards for about 20 yards against the Jets when the Jets played the Jaguars at MetLife Stadium. Of course, Andy, the other thing that we have to mention here is how insane it is that Wilson was able to have arguably his best top-to-bottom game because, remember, the Tennessee second half was absolutely remarkable, but that first half in that game, he really struggled quite a bit. This game, from beginning to end, he was consistently really good. First half, he came out firing, but here's the list of players that he was working with today. These are the offensive players that he had with him at running back and available to catch the ball. Ty Johnson, Austin Walter, Kenny Aboa, Daniel Brown, Keelan Cole, Braxton Berrios, Jeff Smith, and he had a quarter of Michael Carter before Carter got hurt. Despite that, not only did Wilson produce, not only was he consistently really good, he did it against one of the top defensive coordinators in the league, our old friend Todd Bowles, and one of the best defenses in the league. Now, granted, they were missing some key pieces like Levante David and Shaq Barrett, but still, these are the defending Super Bowl champions. And Wilson, with that list of guys, many of whom were on the practice squad for a significant portion of the year or really backups, marginal roster players, he was able to be so productive with those guys. That is an enormous step forward. So I think if you take anything away from this game, regardless of the result, you should take away the fact that Zach Wilson really looks like he's getting comfortable and he's playing better and better and better. And this should give you a lot of optimism heading into next year in a way that 
that I don't think you would have had with the other three quarterbacks that the Jets drafted in recent memory, only because one thing that we saw on Zach Wilson's tape, Andy, when you looked at him coming out of BYU was he was really good at reading defenses. Now, we knew when he came to the NFL it was going to be an adjustment because there were going to be much more advanced defenses. That's always the case. You were going from a guy who was good at reading college defenses to now he was going to have to up his game, and it seems like he's really begun to do that. With Darnold, Sanchez, and Smith... That was not something you saw in their college tape, and unfortunately, it wasn't a skill that ever developed. With Wilson, the question was, would he take the skill that he developed and be able to bring it to an NFL level? And more and more by the week, it looks like that's exactly what he's been doing. Yeah, he's clearly seeing the field very well, because remember, yeah, the Bucks were shorthanded on defense, but Todd Bowles likes to confuse young quarterbacks, and, and everything he does with his blitzing and then disguising the blitzes is designed to do that, and and Zach Wilson did not look confused at any point today. Um, His final number is 19 of 33 for 234 and a touchdown. No interceptions. That's four straight games now without an interception. His last one was against the Eagles in the second half. Um, What was more impressive to me, he had most of his yards in the first half, but in the second half, he was good when he needed to be. He was 8 of 12, and then that's a new trend in terms of He played well in the first half, led two touchdown drives, but then comes out in the third quarter and leads that touchdown drive, like you said, with those two throws that were really fitted into tight windows, just just really nice throws. He was better in in some ways in the second half. Um, He did have one near interception late in the first half, but just his decision-making is so much better. I mean, you look at when he was running, when he did use his legs to escape pressure, he made the right decisions. He took the shots downfield when they were there, when they weren't there, he threw it away. Like late in the first half, there was nothing there. He threw it away. I tweeted that it was a good decision. Some people on Twitter were like, well, if he had taken a sack, he would have been uh, good because then the Bucks would have had to burn a timeout. I mean, that's insane. What kind of bar are we setting here? Uh, <laughs> like for to expect him to to understand that in the moment after you have the benefit of like, a minute to think about it that that's ridiculous and if he takes a sack he risks injury or, or fumbling so that i'll stand by that that was a smart throwaway, and it was one of several he made today and i just think he's clearly progressing he's clearly seeing the field better and that's the best kind of progress it's not mm-hmm. like he's out there like he was in that titans game kind of improvising and, and everything that he did well was off script i mean he did Everything that he did well today, there wasn't really a ton of off-script moments where he shined. Everything he, aside from using his legs to get himself out of the pocket and buy time and avoid getting hit, he the Bucks had seven sacks last week against Cam Newton and Sam Darnold, playing a lot of that game without Barrett, who got hurt, I, I believe. And today they had one. So he's clearly seeing the field well. He's making good decisions. Um, that's what he should be judged on. And and to me that that is why it's not really arguable to me. I think this was his best top-to-bottom game of the season, and, and I don't think it's really that close. No question about it, Andy. I thought he was tremendous today. And if he can play anything like that against the Bills next week in the season finale, Jets fans should be very optimistic about him going into 
the 2022 season. I want to talk a little bit about Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski because I mentioned how this is likely the last time that we will see Tom Brady play against the Jets. Well, it's also likely the last time that we're going to see Rob Gronkowski play against the Jets. And boy, did he put on a show today. It was like old times. Seven catches, 115 yards. The one thing that was interesting, though, Andy, is that how many times have we seen the Jets play against the Tom Brady team? The Jets make some mistake toward the end of the half. Tom Brady gets the ball with, say, two minutes to go, marches down the field, and gets that last score before the half and you know it's going to come back to bite the Jets the opposite happened this time now Tom Brady still found a way to prevail in the end but heading into the half the Buccaneers were marching down the field and Brady threw up a terrible pass that ended up getting intercepted by Brandon Eccles the Jets made the most of it went down the field and were able to get a field goal before halftime so that was a bit of a role reversal even though in the end Brady was still Brady getting that touchdown with 15 seconds left but once again Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady for likely the final time in New Jersey putting on one heck of a show Mike Evans also I know late in the game they focus more on Gronkowski and he was getting a lot of the yardage so you didn't get as much Evans but early on he made some really nice plays had a touchdown at the beginning too I was saying today on Twitter since Julio Jones was picked in 2011 the only receiver that I've watched in college and thought to myself man if I had a top five pick I wouldn't hesitate for a second to pick this guy is Mike Evans absolute freak of nature you could see it when he was at Texas A&M he was so good that he actually fooled people into thinking Johnny Manziel might be an NFL caliber quarterback which is no small feat by the way Andy so Mike Evans again a factor certainly anybody's going to have trouble with him Cyril Grayson catches that game-winning touchdown at the end he had six catches for 81 yards and a touchdown I would imagine most people didn't know who he was until today but he sure made his presence felt And then, as you said, Andy, the interesting thing about the Jets' defense as we talk about the Tampa Bay offense here is that for most of the game, they weren't terrible. Rob Gronkowski beat them up, and at the beginning, Mike Evans was beating them up, but it wasn't really until towards the end of the game when Brady really imposed his will, and they had about 100 yards on that final drive to really spike up the numbers because Brady did finish 34 of 50 for 410 yards and three touchdowns, and then, of course, that one bad interception. They weren't able to run the ball at all. In fairness, they obviously are missing Leonard Fournette, and you've got Keyshawn Vaughn, Ronald Jones, and Le'Veon Bell splitting the carries, but still, if you take a look at the overall numbers here, 21 carries for only 62 yards on the day between those three running backs. So the Jets' defense actually did their job against the run, very rare, but in the end they did wilt like they usually do, and they weren't able to hold on. But a really good performance one more time from Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. And then, of course, there's the story of Antonio Brown, and we'll get into that in a bit. But this really did feel like one of those classic Jets-Patriots battles, except this time Brady and Gronkowski were wearing Tampa Bay Buccaneer uniforms. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to give the defense too much credit because they gave up, in the end, over 450 yards. But at the same time, time you're you're talking about a defense that had I mean they couldn't stop a damn nosebleed a few weeks ago and when you look back at some of those horrible performances from earlier in the season it's pretty impressive that they were able to hold the Bucks somewhat in check you know under under 20 points or at 20 points going into you know if if Zach Wilson gets that first down that's what it would have ended up as so they, they did play well enough for most of the game to win it. And, and to me, that's surprising and, and 
definitely a sign of progress because no one would have been surprised if Brady had come out and, and hung, you know, four touchdowns on them in the first half. I think that was kind of the expectation. Um, and it didn't happen. Brady's final numbers, 34 of 50 for three touchdowns and one interception. He was sacked once. That was by Michael Carter, the second. Uh, so pretty memorable moment for two Jets rookies. You, you mm-hmm. have Brandon Eccles picking off Tom Brady and, and Michael Carter getting the sack. I think they're going to remember today for a long time for good reason for what they were able to do against the, the best quarterback in the history of the NFL. Um and, and yeah, Gronkowski, I mean, at times, definitely, there were some lessons for the Jets today. I think a couple guys trying to tackle him ended up looking like little kids being carried around the schoolyard. I remember Bryce Hall on one occasion. It's just, he's a big dude. It's hard, it's hard to do. Um, and that's definitely a story that, that these young Jets players will be telling for a long time to come. And then uh, our old friend Le'Veon Bell mm-hmm. uh, didn't have much of an impact. Three carries for five yards, but... When after the Bucks scored that go-ahead touchdown in the final minutes, he had a two-point conversion to make it a a two-score game, so that the Jets couldn't equal uh, the Bucks with a field goal. It ended up being not that big of a deal because there were only 15 seconds left, but just a a memory of maybe Le'Veon Bell's best play ever at MetLife Stadium because <laughs> he didn't really make any for the Jets. I mean, that two-point conversion against the Bills. I guess that's his thing, two-point conversions, same end zone. But that that's about it. That's about all you have from Le'Veon Bell when he was with the Jets. It's true. Not very many big moments for Mr. Bell in a Jet uniform, unfortunately. By the way, I saw some people were giving Brandon Eccles crap for asking Tom Brady to sign the ball that he intercepted off of him after <laughs> the game. Give me a break. Get a life. I don't know why you would be upset by that. For God's sakes, the kid picked off the greatest player to ever play. It's an incredible achievement that anybody would be proud of. I'm sure that he, much like almost anybody who's ever played football, certainly the ones that have played in the last 20 years or so, have looked up to Tom Brady their entire lives. I get the old school mentality of never buddy up to your enemies, but the Jets are 4-12, and 12 and the kid's a rookie, and it's Tom Brady. Who cares? Relax. Come, come on. He's, he's 22 years old. His entire life being conscious Tom Brady has been a an NFL star it wasn't a game that cost the Jets anything in terms of playoffs like of course that's totally normal that it's ridiculous if people are criticizing him for that no question Andy I don't know why anybody would be upset about that and if you're Brandon Eccles you have every single right to be proud of that moment because that's a major achievement in your career Also, should mention Braxton Berrios. We kind of glossed over him. Another nice game for him. 65 yards receiving on six catches, a touchdown. Also, two carries for 12 yards. Scored a touchdown there. So, two touchdowns total. I've said this before. I don't think that Braxton Berrios is going to be a one, a two, or a three receiver. But if he's that extra receiver, if he's in there as a gadget guy, which he seems to be really good at, and most importantly, if he continues to be a very good return man in Brant Boyer's system, The Jets should obviously do whatever they can to try and bring him back because he's really seemed to find a role here and been very productive. One of the few players that has been a bright spot this season, aside from, of course, the rookies like Michael Carter, Zach Wilson, Elijah Vera Tucker, and Elijah Moore, who have given Jets fans plenty of reasons to be optimistic about the future. Last thing, Andy, before we get into the injury report and the quotes in the locker room and all that, 
Antonio Brown. Let's go through this. So I'm in the stands, and at the time, I didn't really understand what was happening. I just saw Antonio Brown ripping off his shirt and throwing it into the crowd. I thought maybe he got hurt and he was going back to the locker room, so he was trying to give the fans a souvenir. I had no clue. And then, of course, I leave the stadium, and everybody's talking about this on social media. Apparently, Antonio Brown just lost his mind and may have retired in the middle of this game. So another reason that if you were at this game, you've got yourself one heck of a memory because, again, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, their last hurrah here. You had the one and only head-to-head matchup between Tom Brady and Zach Wilson. You also had, of course, a phenomenal game from Zach Wilson and you have what may very well be the final moment of Antonio Brown's career. And for whatever you want to say about Antonio Brown, he's one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. And the only way he doesn't get into the Hall of Fame is if the writers hate him so much that they refuse to vote for him. So that could be a historical moment as well. Andy, what do we know about what happened here with Antonio Brown? Because the whole thing's crazy. Well, yeah, uh, apparently um, he just left. I, I don't know how else to really say it um here's what here's what happened according to fox and jay glazer who has a good relationship with bruce arians and got this from him after the game um this happened in the third quarter i believe the the uh, the patriots the bucks were driving for what ended up being a touchdown drive and arians said twice that he wanted brown to go in the game brown refused and then so Arian said, you know, get out. And, and that's how uh, that's how Brown got out. He, he took off his pads. You can see from a, a video from a fan in the stands that Mike Evans tried to, like, calm him down and talk him into staying. He wasn't having it. Took off his pads, walked, started walking toward the tunnel as kind of his teammates are looking out in disbelief, takes off his shirt, takes off his gloves, throws them into the crowd. And then the, the Bucks offense is on the field at this point. He goes – across the end zone near the visitor's tunnel doing jumping jacks and kind of like pumping up the crowd. I, I saw in one video, a Bucks fan giving him the middle finger. Um, and then he, he, he went shirtless into the locker room. And then from there, you know, Arians was asked by Glazer if he'd ever seen anything like that. And Arians who's 69 years old, has been coaching in college and pros since 1975 said in all my years, I've never seen anything like that. So fast forward to to later, and there was a bunch of like weird stuff on social media about Brown like getting into a police car shirtless or something. But there was a photo taken by someone outside of the stadium of Brown wearing the same clothes that he came in with, standing in his, with his suitcase, apparently waiting for a ride. So after the game, Bruce Arians said he didn't want to talk about it when asked about it in the interview room, and then said that. Antonio Brown is no longer a part of the Bucks, basically saying they're cutting him. And then multiple Bucks writers reported that he wasn't going to be on the team flight back to uh, Tampa. Now, whether or not the Bucks actually cut him, it hasn't been made official yet because it wouldn't become official until Monday anyway. But I doubt they're actually going to just cut him. Not to say he'll play for them again. I don't think he will. But if they cut him, he could be signed by a contender who could potentially be playing the Bucks in the playoffs. So I, I don't see that happening, but who knows? It's obviously weird and crazy. And, and all that Tom Brady after the game basically said he didn't know what was happening. Le'Veon Bell said the same thing. He didn't know that that had happened until he got into the locker room. You know, they knew that he wasn't there, but they didn't know the specific circumstances on it. Cause they were, you know, the jets obviously were keeping their hands full. 
Um, and, the, and then Brady said, you know, hope, you know, basically urge compassion and, and, and hope that he could get the help he needs. And, and, and uh, Bell said that like, he's close with him and he texted him and, you know, he, they're still going to be friends and remain close, even though, you know, he had, sometimes he's made some questionable decisions, but that's kind of the main message that was coming out of there. Like, he's a really likable guy, just has made a lot of questionable decisions. And uh, it's just a very, very weird, very, very weird situation on a very weird day. If you ever questioned whether or not Mike Tomlin was a good head coach in the NFL, just consider the fact that he found a way to keep everybody from knowing that Antonio Brown was actually like this for like nine years. That's an incredible achievement, and if nothing else, it shows how talented a head coach Mike Tomlin is. Andy, let's talk some injuries here. Michael Carter is the big one. We talked about him before. What's the story with him, and what else do we need to know injury-wise? I know Daniel Brown came out at some point, too. Yeah, the, the two biggest ones were Carter. Obviously, he had a concussion, was being evaluated for a concussion and then ruled out. So you will uh, you would assume he'll be in the concussion protocol tomorrow. Brown had a hip injury and did not return. That left the Jets with basically Kenny Yeboa and uh, Connor McDermott as their other tight end because that was basically it. <laughs> uh, they don't have any other tight ends on the roster right now with, with Ryan Griffin out and, you know, that whole situation. So, and then... Another big one, George Fan went down with a knee injury, and it looked to be pretty bad. He needed a lot of help getting off the field, went straight back to the locker room. Chuma Doga played for him the rest of the game. And and the Jets' protection still held up pretty well after that point. But that's, you know, if it's a serious knee injury, and he he's going to be a, a guy that the Jets need next year, be it in a starting role, depending on what happens with Mekhi Becton's health, or as a – potential right time i mean the jets need him he's going to be under contract next year they need him for depth at the very worst so if if that's some sort of late season serious knee injury it could be uh potentially serious heading into next year robert Sala did not have any update on that after the game he said they'll they'll have more information on monday we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. 
subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Andy, after the game, we got a lot of notable quotes. A lot of it was around what we talked about before, that fourth and two call. Zach Wilson spoke. Robert Salas spoke. Tell me about what they said and what some of the other players had to say in the locker room as well. Yeah, so Robert Sala was definitely unhappy after this because, I mean, he said it. He said, we won this game. Obviously, they didn't, but he believed that if the play call had been properly executed on that fourth and two, they would have won the game. Now, here was the play call. It it ended up being a, a quarterback sneak by Zach Wilson, which looked like a really horrible decision because it, he did not come close to making the first down. But you might have noticed that Braxton Berrios was in motion across the in, – in a jet sweep type deal there. Um, that, that was where Salah wanted the ball to go, and that's where it was supposed to go. Uh, the problem was that nobody relayed that to Wilson. So it's a, it's an option, a quarterback sneak option or the pitch to, to Barrios or the handoff to Barrios. Um, Wilson is supposed to make the call when he gets to the line of scrimmage. He saw an opening in the a gap. And when he sees that he's supposed to sneak it now on fourth and two, it was supposed to be relayed to him before the play that, you know, you're not sneaking it here no matter what. You're handing this ball off. Uh, Sala basically said that that's a conversation that needs to be had between uh, Zach Wilson and Mike LaFleur, and it's a conversation that was not had. And so you saw Zach Wilson do what he was supposed to do, given the information that he had, which was to sneak it. Um, and obviously it did not work out. So I just wanted to give you some context for – Salah's quotes. Uh, basically, this is how he ex- he explains the fourth and two. It was a reverse to Braxton. The quarterback has an option based upon the look that he has to sneak the ball in that situation. We wanted the ball handed off to Barrios. We did a very poor job communicating as a coaching staff that in the huddle, Zach executed the playbook as it's designed. Unfortunately, if you look at the TV copy again, Braxton probably has a first down. The game is over. It's a poor job. And then Going on, Salah said that they had run the play against Houston. I do believe it was also on a fourth down. And then he basically kind of summed it up. He says, it's unfortunate that we were going to be talking about the last sequence of events there. I thought our guys were outstanding today. They deserve better. We won that game. We've got to be better for our players. Zach was outstanding. Our run game was outstanding. All the way across the board, everybody was outstanding. Um, A lot of young guys made a lot of great plays. There were a lot of things I thought were fantastic from our group against a championship football team, they deserve better. So Salah taking the accountability and then leaving really no doubt about where the miscommunication took place. Um, At the end of the press conference, he was asked, how was that supposed to work? He said, that's Mike to Zach. It's simple. He calls the play and says, hand this ball off no matter what. That's all the communication that needs to be said. It never got across. And then I asked, how does that happen after a timeout? 
because I don't understand how it happens after a timeout. And, and Salah said, we have to be better. And that was the end of the press conference. So obviously Mike LaFleur did not probably assume that Wilson knew on, on fourth and two that you don't want to sneak it there, but he didn't relay that expressly. And if you're a rookie quarterback, you're going to do what you're supposed to do on that play. And what Zach Wilson was supposed to do was supposed to read the defense and make the decision that he was taught to make. And that's what he did. Um, So when Zach Wilson was asked about it, uh, he said, we got the play call. I liked it just because it has two different options. Uh, Right there, I was just thinking to do my job. and We had an open A gap there and unfortunately came up short. And then basically he said that everybody's like making a big deal out of it because of the result and second guessing it. Um, and that he thinks, you know, if it worked, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal. And, and basically he understands that Mike LaFleur is getting heat and he was trying to take some of the heat off of him. I don't know if it worked, but another example of that is when Zach Wilson asked what clicked for him today, he gave a very specific answer that involved heavily Mike LaFleur. Here it is. Um, yeah, I think I'm just starting to get a better grasp of the offense. I thought Mike's done an amazing job just putting me in good position. I just feel comfortable with what's going on. I thought he called a great game in terms of scheming guys open and a lot of really good plays the whole game. And we got things rolling on offense and got into a rhythm. And I just got comfortable with that and what was going on. And I think that's what happens when you start to play in an offense to get more reps. And he's right. Mike LaFleur called a really good game. Um that was obviously a, a big mistake at the end, but it's important to remember that Mike LaFleur is a first-time coordinator. He's learning too. And if, if he has to learn in this situation, you know, better now than maybe next year or later in 2022, if the Jets are playing a game that actually means something for the postseason. I, mean, I know that sounds crazy, but at some point it's going to happen. So um, maybe. So better now to learn that lesson than when it could really have it have an impact a, a year from now. Um, Elijah Riley also spoke after the game, and he said that basically um, on that final touchdown to Grayson, that what it really comes down to is I just need to make that play. There's not much more that needs to be said about that when it comes down to it. In the final seconds against a team like this, I've got to be able to make that play. He didn't, and the Jets lost. Braxton Berrios came in. He was only asked about that fourth down, uh, and he basically tried to tried to tried to avoid it completely. And just said, "I wasn't thinking anything. I wasn't thinking I should get the ball. I wasn't thinking I should get the ball. I was just I was just out there reacting." Um, and then you know, Robert Sala said there are no moral victories, even though he liked everything the Jets did today. You win or you lose. C.J. Mosley echoed that that kind of. Um, message he said there's no moral victories in this league but nobody in our circle flinched that's all you can ask for you can't win every two minute possession you can't win every single game but we sure did our best guys executed well offense defense special teams played well we played physical we communicated we adjusted on the sidelines so it's just unfortunately came up short at the end like i said there's no moral victories we have one more week to put our best foot forward and go from there the jets are in buffalo next week buffalo still has something to play for so the Jets will have the chance to get a real victory and play spoiler, something they haven't been able to do uh, against some of these contending teams recently.
Andy Vasquez covering the Jets for NorthJersey.com. Thanks so much for coming on and recapping this incredible roller coaster of a game with me. Go ahead and follow Andy on Twitter at Andy underscore Vasquez. And Andy, I know you guys have got a great deal over at NorthJersey.com where for six months you get coverage for only 99 cents. And that's total. It's not 99 cents a month. It's 99 cents total, so about 15 cents a month. You get everything behind the paywall with sports, news. It's all there, NorthJersey.com. So when they do take advantage of this deal, obviously they're going to start with your material, what's in store for them behind the paywall, and for those that even want to just read the stuff that's free at NorthJersey.com this week. Yeah, well, we got a lot of stuff, obviously a full recap of everything that happened at MetLife Stadium today from Antonio Brown to that crazy kind of game end sequence. Uh, It's all there. We'll have more on Zach Wilson's performance, a more detailed breakdown coming on Monday. More on the playoff, I'm sorry, not the playoff situation, but the draft situation for the Jets, where things stand as they head into these final uh, days of the season and and what Jets fans should be rooting for next week. And then this week we're going to start looking further ahead and and some of the things the Jets can do to bolster their offense and their defense heading into next year. Make sure that you read everything Andy's doing over at NorthJersey.com. Check out everything we've got up at PlayLikeAJet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, is going to have an All-22 review of Zach Wilson. You definitely want to check it out this week. Going to be a lot of fun to watch since Zach Wilson played so well. So watch the videos and subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. Also, check out our store at tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. We've got the Zach Says Go Long shirt, the Bless You Thank You shirt, John Franklin Myers and Quentin Williams, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, mugs, hoodies, caps. It's all there. tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. And don't forget to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. 
Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.